Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. Just because somebody came in on this chapter of your life does not mean they know your whole story. So Lisa texts me this quote. It's by S.C. Laurie. That's L-O-U-R-I-E. I'd love to tell you I know who that is, but I don't. But it's a, but it's a good quote. Breathe, darling. This is just a chapter. It's not your whole story. thought it was a good topic for today's show. Great topic. Yep. So two years ago, you and I, uh, I think it's been about two years ago, connected through my boss, Cheryl. Uh, I feel I'm pretty competent at what I do. Been doing it a long time. Uh, confident in my ability, confident in my leadership. But man, I was going through a rough patch with just uh, turnover. Uh, it was, I think we were right before COVID. It seems like, seems like it, I don't know. Randy, yeah, we were 2019 end of 2019. I can't remember, but it yeah, is but early. We were close. I mean, we were right on, we right were right on the cusp of March yeah. of 2020, kind of mm-hmm. when everything blew up in COVID and just challenges. I had turnover. I was at 50% staffing, didn't know, you know, a variety of issues, some challenges with personnel at the time. Um, and a culmination of all those things, turnover at the top, you know, everybody was turning over there. So everything I had known for years had uh, gotten disrupted. Doesn't mean it was bad disruption. It was disruption. Generally, all good people coming into the roles, good people going out of the roles. And I was just in a, I kind of call it a slump of just trying to really question myself. Is it me? Is it something I'm doing to lose people? There were known challenges on staff that I knew were problematic, trying to address those. But at the same time, when you're short staff, do you, what do you do next? How do you, okay. And you were in the role, you were in the role for how long when, when these challenges kind of first. Oh gosh, I've been a director since 2006. So that gives everybody, and we're at 2019. Okay. Okay. So uh, you got what, 13? I'm terrible with math. Whatever. Yeah, we Whatever don't, we, it is. We don't it's do early and we're recording and we're both tired. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, all that to be said, I've been doing this a long time. Um, new people relied on me, knew my team relied on me and knew that management was relying on me. Now we all experienced this. We all experienced funks. So give us That's some right. context. So how, what was different about this particular period of funk? Well, the, the issue, I, I call it getting tired. I was getting tired of um, just, and I say tired being worn out, not tired, I guess, frustrated. You can also be that, but it was just training, retraining. And then somebody, you get them on staff, you're excited to have them on staff and then they leave or there's disruptions, you know, there's challenges Mm -hmm. on staff or there's challenges in personalities or there's conflict that keeps arising. Um, And it's trying to figure out First, we deserved, as a team, we deserved a strong team for the people, the people that were there that had persevered through it were good people. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And there was probably about five of us at the time. We were only 12. So there was about five or six of us left on staff um, and hiring new managers and then working through issues. Um, at the time, we had uh, some employee relations stuff going on that was extremely challenging. Um, I was confident that was not uh, factual what had been alleged. So I knew that, you know, I was confident in those things, but it's going through it. It wears on you mentally and wears on the team because you can't really tell them what's going on, right? They, they have to explore that themselves. And so all of that, I remember you coming on board and, and to be honest, I'm those that haven't had an executive coach. I didn't know what they were. I'm in a funk already. I've got a new boss and she says, I'm going to get you an executive coach. And the first thing I thought was, well, this is just great. <laughs> now my boss doesn't believe in me, right? And I need an executive coach. And I talked to her, I said, okay, tell me what an executive coach is. Cause I didn't know. And she says, I can tell you think this is a bad thing. And I said, well, just tell me what it is first, <laughs> you know? And she said, no, I had an executive coach. We believe in you. I've got a hundred percent faith. You know, you're an A player is what she told me. You're an A player but I got to get you help. You need help just to, for clarity and to help see you through the storm. And I want to get you the help you need because you deserve it. And so I'm a pretty trusting soul. I had to believe, I don't know her well enough at this point. I think, I think she'd been my boss for maybe two months if I'm guessing right. And she said, Lisa, the best thing that ever happened to me was my executive coach and we're friends to this day. Um, and she said, I'm hoping I know just the person she connects you and I, you walk into the room a week or two later, sit down and say, okay, this is how it's going to go. This is between you and me, Lisa and Randy. What we share doesn't go to Cheryl. Cheryl, you can't ask. I'm not going to tell you. This is between Lisa and I, and that's just how we roll, right? That was mm -hmm. just, you were here to help me get through what I needed and to meet what I needed done. And she agreed to that. And, um, and I remember at that point, you're like, I don't do this for remedial. That's not what I do. I get the top performers and I help them become better, right? So it assured it in me. And I remember going back to this quote, long, long version for a short answer, is that through that journey, one of the first things I remember, it seems like it was probably our first or second meeting. And we met once a week and you said, what do you feel like this is? I mean, is this your whole story? Is this your, because you never told me the answers. You just asked a lot of questions. We've talked about being curious. And I said, no, I don't think this is the whole story. I think this, this is a, a bump in the road. I just got to get over the bump. The damn bump seems like it's going on. It's a really long bump. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's that, it's that roadblock for a second that you've got to get through. And it's not the whole story. It's just a chapter. And to the quote, I think so many people in HR or in their industries, in city manager's office, city attorney, I mean, how many times have we heard, oh my gosh, we are just going through a grind right now. It's just whatever it is, is not working. Whatever it is needs to change, whether that's culture, whether that's turnover, um, your team, the performance of the team, you've got people, you know, I call it deadwood. You need to get rid of the deadwood, but you don't know how, cause you're expecting problems, whatever that is. And it looks like that's what I was going through at the time. And so many of us, as we chat with our peers 
are going through the same thing. And that's so much of what you helped me see as a, you would ask questions. I knew what needed to be done. I was just tired and I call it fog. You're just in this fog of, I mean, I can do that. I can do what I think I need to do, but is it going to change anything? Cause I've been doing that for 22 years and here we are and it's not working, mm. you know? So you have to look at your chapter and, and know that that chapter is coming to a close. It is coming to a close and you just have to be willing to see through that chapter and not close the whole book. But for you, what was the value in seeing that moment in time, no matter how long it had been or how long it would be to see that as just a chapter and not the whole story? It just gives you hope. It's, it's that whole theory of the light at the end of the tunnel. As I think what you helped me see, what I normally could see very clearly, normally I'm a, I can, I have a plan. I have an action plan. Here's the steps I need to take. I knew what I needed to do. But when you're tired and you're, I mean, at the time I, I say I had no benefits people, I had no class comp people. So I was doing all of payroll and all of benefits and all the retirements as a director and still trying to lead a team with a positive spirit and a positive outlook so that they only saw hope because if they didn't see hope, they were going to go down with the ship. You know, you talked about, I was trying to plug holes right. in a sinking ship and you could just, there's not enough fingers right? To plug the holes. So the value for me was as you, as you helped me clarify breaking it down into the things that I knew I should have done, but I was just too tired to, to kind of get my head wrapped around everything. You helped me take one step at a time. I call it seeking, finding clarity. Okay. Let's deal with that. Okay. What's your, what's the most irritating thing? And I'd name it. Okay. Let's deal with, put everything else aside. Let's deal with that for a minute. So what does that look like? And you just kind of explore it. I'm like, yeah, we need to do that. Okay. When are we going to do that? And you just kind of pushed me without telling me. And it just added so much value because I was able to see through the storm with clarity and purpose, which I had lost for a little bit because you're just, you just kind of get overwhelmed. No matter how good you are, there are moments. I think anybody would be lying to say there's not. When you're just like, oh my gosh, here we go again. You know, I thought I was one step forward and two steps back, one step forward and two steps yeah. back. So the value was just um, seeing clarity, knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel as each thing resolved itself. I could keep going back to the team, reinvesting in the team. Well, clarification. I don't know that it just resolved itself. There was a lot of effort put into the resolution of all those issues. Well, that's true. But as we, as I don't we want people through, to get the wrong idea though. Well, just give it enough time and it'll fix itself. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't No, happen. It was a ton of effort and planning and revisiting. And some of the stuff that I'd planned didn't go well. It resulted in more things that were problematic. You know, it just did. And it, um, and I would say it was a solid, and Randy, you can correct me because you were with me on this whole journey. It had to be a solid 18 months. And then COVID hit in the middle of all of it when we were still short staffed. Yeah. So it didn't fix itself by March of 2020. I can tell you that, right? We were still, no, but going I don't think, it. I mean, the, the, but the turn, but the turnaround, well, you, you can, you could describe it better than me. I mean, how did it, at what point, how far into it 
before you started to feel different before you started to gain confidence or however you would describe it because that didn't take 18 months no i that think that wasn't even close to taking 18 months i think the initial being able to breathe it seems like took about four months i'm guessing because i really we had to go weekly and just talk about things so I could seek clarity. And then I had to, you know, I've also got a wonderful husband who is on the back end going, you need to take care of you. If yeah. you are not well, you know, cause I was tired. I was working through lunch, working at night, going till two and three in the morning. And he's like, you've got to stop. You've got to sleep and rest. So your brain is fresh. You've got, he would make sure I'm eating. I mean, it sounds simple, but when you're stressed, you're just trying to get every hour accounted for to do the best you can for your team. And I I don't, I don't think any good leader is going to deny that they, there are moments we just work and work and work thinking the more hours I put in, the better it will be. Well, they may not, they may not intellectually deny it, but through practice, we, many of us deny it and many people that's just their lifestyle. I mean, just, just burning it at both ends and just going as hard as they can thinking that that's what we have to do. And sadly we have this hustle hustle culture that I personally abhor and that, you know, if you're not grinding, if you're not climbing, if you're not hustling 24, seven, 365, then you're, you're losing because you're going to lose to somebody else who is, I would make the analogy. You you hear it in, in sports. And I, I hate, I hate to, lean so much on sports analogies and normally I don't, but this one really fits. There's a reason that athletes work on conditioning because when we're tired, those things that we may just, they may be reflexive because we've practiced it and practiced Mm -hmm. it and practice it. And we know how to do it. Whether it's a tennis player who knows how to serve and volley, whether it's a quarterback that knows proper footwork and how to throw a forward pass, but then insert being tired, Mm -hmm. insert exhaustion, and all that goes out the window. It's like Survivor, for those of you that watch Survivor. How many people have come on that show? Don and I love that show. And they're like, you know, you watch it and you're just, I mean, they'll, they'll say this on the show. I watch it and I'm thinking, why on earth are they breaking down and crying because it's raining at night? And they said, well, insert no food, your body's depleted, it's raining on you, you're cold, you're tired, and you still have to do all those challenges, right? And you have no actual energy. You have nothing to replenish what you've lost. And they say, this is not like no other challenge in their lives. And, and, it, and I equate that to these moments. It's not, we're not on an island with no food, but when you work yourself like that, I remember when one employee that I trust still with me today. And they said, Lisa, when you work 12 hours, the team, we think we need to work 12 hours too, because if you're doing it, we need to do it. And it's exhausting and I'm losing family time. And I said, I I, I absolutely hear you. And I don't want you doing that. I'm not expecting it. I'm just trying to help us survive so that you don't have to do that, you know? And, and, that individual said, well, we're doing it by example. Mm-hmm. We're following the example. And it was so clear to me that while that is honorable, 
right? Why they're trying to be part of the team and do that. Yeah, welcome to the burden my, of leadership, though. That's right. My own actions were almost dictating them what they thought I expected, which is not at all what I expected, because that makes them tired. And then we're we're not going to be a high performing team, no matter how bad I wanted it. If everybody's working through exhaustion and depleting from their family and depleting from time that they need to replenish and working through lunch and working past dinner, you know, I mean, it was, that would just made it uh, an aha moment that I'm like, okay, my husband's telling me this. I've got Randy telling me, you know, lead through it, but you got to get, we talk about sleep all the time, you know, <laughs> you of which doesn't get any a lack of, <laughs> a lack of. But um, all those things, they just equate to clear vision of, okay, I've got to reset and restart to a new chapter. I've got to gain focus, close this chapter, end it, and let's refocus on what am I trying to establish and make sure everything is has a purpose. Everything, every step I take needs to have a purpose towards the end goal. And, um, that clarity and you helping me see it, I don't, it's, it's really hard to explain unless people have been in that moment. I feel like 90% of our listeners have had a moment like that in their career. I just feel confident if you haven't, it's coming. Yeah. You're probably low. You're probably low. Listen, I, I, I was having a conversation with a man yesterday and he's, he's scheduled to have some surgery on Wednesday and he's never had anything like this. And it, it, it's reasonably serious. Don't know the outcome yet. And as he and I were talking, you know, and he, he made some comment about, about people, not, you know, that not everybody has gone through certainly something like he's going through. And he wasn't doing that in a complaining way. I don't want people to misread the context, even though I'm not even naming who it is, but I made the comment. I said, yeah, but I said, come on. The truth of the matter is we can look at somebody and think, well, they're not going through anything. It's not that they're not going through anything. You just don't know. That's right. We're all going through something. A hundred percent of us, a hundred percent of you listening to us, you're going through something. It may not be what Lisa went through. May it not may be not work be, related. It may not. Yeah. But you're going through something <laughs> and, and that, and whether you define that something as your whole story or not is completely up to you. Yeah. It, it is up to you. It's a choice. You know, I watch, I get, I get kind of fascinated. Uh, there was a person, uh, a young guy that up in Detroit and he took these incredible photographs and they were very high resolution and very detailed. And he would, he would get right up close. These were people who lived on the streets of Detroit and he stopped doing it. He went into professional photography. He was just a young guy at the time and they were just fascinating. He would talk to these people and he would get their permission to, can I just, and he would, I mean, he would get right up in their face, but man, you could just see every line and wrinkle. And then he would write a story. He would write a little paragraph about these people. And I was always, I don't know. It was just fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And you're like, they, they've all got a story. And it was about that time. This was years and years ago, a gentleman named Tom Rath, Tom Rath used to work for strengths finder. Tom Rath had been kind of a disciple of Donald O. Clifton. He was the author of Strength Finder, which later Gallup took, and they've done their whole thing with. But Tom Rath wrote a book called A Vital Friend, 
And that book begins, he was charged to go and survey these homeless folks and try to find out, you know, how did they get there? So he interviews a man and this man, he'd been an engineer, had a great job, had the wife, two kids, white picket fence, two cars, the whole nine yards. And he's at work and he's got a best friend at work. Enter new boss, a tyrant. Just dogpiled them every day. Just rode them hard, put them up wet. And the friend gets fired. Well, now the guy's got no friend at work. He's got a tyrant for a boss. He's on his way home every day, stops at the bar. That happens one day a week. Now it starts happening pretty much every day of the week. Fast forward, marriage goes to you know where, divorced, ends up living, gets fired, deep into alcohol, living in his car. Car gets impounded. Now he's homeless. And Tom Rath asked him what just seemed to be a pithy question for me. I mean, it was just, it was just, yeah, I still get chills thinking about it. And the book is old. And he says, well, who expects anything of you anymore? And the man looked at him and he said, I don't guess anybody. Now I tell that because for some of us, we allow a chapter to become our story. Sadly, for this, us, sadly us. for this man, he allowed a chapter to be rewritten and rewritten and rewritten until it became his story. Right. You can do that. It's your life. You can do that. You can choose to think that whatever hard times you're going through, Lisa could have very easily blamed it on all kinds of things. You know, the boss that I've worked for for years that I had this great relationship with, and now I've got this brand new person who's perfectly fine, but I don't know her. And we've got a city manager who we know is fixing to retire. And we've got just to your point, disruption. Mm -hmm. You could have, you could have let all that define, you know, your story. Yep. Even though it was just a chapter, I've just, I have long, long, long looked at this and I credit HR people because I was that young leader who leaned in hard to people that knew HR and I did not view HR even as a young guy in my twenties and we're going back to the eighties. I did not view HR as rules and reg kind of a thing any more than I viewed financial people or CFO chief financial officers as being bean counters. I viewed, I viewed these people as people who had a specific skill set that I knew I did not have, but they had an ability to figure it out. That's right. And I needed help figuring some of these things out. And I knew HR people were people, people. I viewed them as people, people. I didn't view them as rules and regs kind of folks. And back then, they absolutely were viewed as rules and regs. That's right. Kind of, kind of people. The gatekeepers, I call yeah, them. it was, it was command and control. Mm -hmm. That's just the way the world worked. I did not work that way. And I sat down with HR people that I befriended and trusted. And it was through their, it was through their training and their influence on me 
that I even developed this kind of thought process of letting these moments, letting these sometimes horrible moments, sometimes moments that we create because we're stupid. We all are sometimes, but who, but no matter these moments that we allow, we allow them to define us and we just don't have to, we don't have to, you can play the victim if you want. Lisa certainly could have played the, the role of the victim, uh, being the high performer that she is. I knew Cheryl, her boss knew that's not how she's going to roll. It's just not who she is. I would not encourage anybody to roll that way, but we are also living. We've now had it. I think it's now more emphasized because we are in an Instagram world. Right. And everybody sees, you know, everybody's fronting everything. Everybody's putting their best foot forward. I'm really fascinated, especially by the young social influencers in their twenties who are taking their own lives. I, I, I can't get my, I can't get my head wrapped around it and I can't, I can't get my mind off of, and I seem to see it pretty regularly some some instagram or some social media influencer who's portraying that life is grand and great and wonderful and the next thing you read is you read well they they've they've passed, they've yeah. passed and their family asked for privacy during this time and then weeks later it comes out they took their own life and you're like man 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 what a waste you know for somebody to be going through something difficult but you feel like well i've got to front it i have to front it and this is going to sound like a sales pitch and it's not, but it's the reason that my work works. It's the reason that my work is powerful. Well, because it's not, just yeah. you and it's just you and me yes. and you don't have to front anything. If you allow it to work, I think the challenge yeah. well, is it, for me, you were a professional executive coach that helped me again. You were so great at what you do because you just questioned you let me answer the questions and you got me to my own resolution without telling me what the resolution was. You may have had it in your mind, Randy, but you did not set that. And I appreciated that. And I think that's why you are so successful at what you do, because you allowed, you questioned, you allowed me to see my own light where that needed to go and what worked for this organization and for Lisa Norris and for our HR department and our story as a city and I got to write that next chapter. Well, you but the did powerful, not try to write it for me. You did not try to co-author anything. Right? No, well, the the power the power is in the pronoun. The power is your. Yeah. Y O U R. This is your story. This is your chapter. It's not mine. It's yours. Okay. You know, I, I tell people pretty regularly. I, I don't know why sometimes we get so fixated, for instance, on. People constantly love to, love to make judgments about money. Right. So Lisa's got, you know, she's got, she and Don have got some grand plans and they've been blessed and fortunate. They've been able to execute some of these plans and it involves property and it involves fishing and hunting and, and, and it's great and wonderful. That's their, that's their story. And I'm rather fascinated by people that would look at something like that and go, man, there's, you know, why, why, why are you doing that? We've all got people in in Oklahoma. Yeah. We've all got people in our lives that are like that, you know, and my attitude is, you know, I mean, until you start writing my checks, 
still you until you start paying for stuff you don't have a vote in what i do with my money (laughs) you know i feel the exact same way about this that's right you know this is your chapter you know all i wanted to do in the in those moments is is persuade you influence you to understand it is a chapter it's a moment in time I mean, would that some of these people who, who have suffered whatever anxieties and depression and whatever other mental health challenges they have faced that have led to their own demise. I mean, would that somebody, and I'm not blaming anybody cause I don't know their situations, but would that somebody could help any of us understand when we're in these moments, just remember it's a chapter. And the second part of that is, and remember who's writing this chapter. I'm not writing it. Nobody else was writing it. Your boss wasn't writing it. CMO wasn't writing it. This is your chapter. This is for you to write, which I think I I would hope gives us some power to, to get confident and understand, you know, I can do something about this. I can influence this. And of, and of all things, remember, as you're writing that chapter and you're, moving through those moments, just like in a book, you have readers in this podcast, we have listeners, people are watching, especially your team. So as you're moving through these moments, you have got to be strong and diligent. And one thing you taught me is to tell your story. I made sure what I did not do well in the past. And so I evolved through change and became better. And I think that is a, you know, we'll explore another quote in an, on another day. But as you go through your chapter and you are seeing uh, bumps in the road as you move through it, you also have to make sure you're leading with strength and courage and encouraging your team and listening and all of those things that define leadership as we go through it, because it's very easy to lose sight of that and become negative. Negative is so easy compared to positivity. It is so easy to do. It is our natural instinct as humans to be to see only the negative. You have to choose optimism. You have to choose, I call it joy, which is internal versus happiness, which I believe is external. Yeah. You have to find joy and find moments and find those that, believe in you. And one of the things that as we move through it, we talk about what do you do with that as you're moving through that chapter, which I think is the next natural step is to make sure you listen to your team, take care of what you need to take care of, because often you know what it is. You're just avoiding it because it's painful. Right. And you help me see, let's just get through the pain points. Let's, and for no better term, let's knock those out. Let's just knock the pain points out. No matter how difficult they are, how much worse could it be? I think is what you told me. How much worse could it be if we just handle those? You might be more short-staffed. You might have more changes you have to make. You may have to retell your story, but let's get rid of those so the path before us becomes open. That road opens up. Those speed bumps are no longer there. Let's focus on those things. And then where we talked about this in another episode where I was spending 80% of my time on the, the problem issues. You said, why don't, why don't we reverse that? Let's spend 80% of your time on what you plan to do. What does good in your life? The, the people that are there beside you still on the team, 
following you through this painful moment because they're having painful moments. I can't tell you how many, and I'm not a super sensitive person. You know, I know Randy, you've always said you cry at least daily. Mm -hmm. I'm not that girl. I'm not a crier. Um, And I'm not saying that's a weakness either. I mean, I'm just saying we're different. But I remember moments staff would come in and just tell me, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm on this journey and I'm here and I'm with you. And that guys, this is from the front desk up to management. You know, I remember the city manager, Steve Dye at the time. I was having a rough day and I went up there and I said, I just want you to know, I just want you to hear it from my mouth. I will get us through this. And I need to have assurance that you believe me. And of course, I, and tears were rolling down my face because I was exhausted. Uh, at that point, I had five people out of 12, including me. And he said, Lisa. And he looked right at me and just said, I want you to hear me. I have never lost faith in you. I have never lost faith in your ability. I know you will get us through this. Just keep, just keep taking one step forward, one step at a time. We've all been there and we believe in you in the city manager's office. You just tell us what you need. Because, you know, I just, I had to know I had support. Mm-hmm. Because if if there was any doubt at the top, that would have crushed me because my integrity and my value and what I'm trying to bring as an organization in HR to the team, I believe we're the hub. And if that wasn't supporting the efforts of the city, because that's our whole entire business is to support those around us so they can do their jobs well. Right. Right. If they didn't believe me at the top, I'm not sure a hundred percent I would have survived it because I have to have faith in my ability beyond me. Um, I, I heard it from Cheryl. I heard it from Steve. You gave me confidence to continue forward. And I knew I had it myself, but it was just being suppressed with every hit. You just kind of just, Oh my, you know, it's just another hit, another hit, another hit. And there's another great leadership. There's another great leadership lesson. And that is everybody craves encouragement. Those of you that are watching us or listening to us, you're craving encouragement. Do not forget. So are your people. That's right. And so you, you need to give that. We're not talking about holding hands and singing Kumbaya. No, but we're talking about being able to express faith and confidence that people can grow. And honesty. I think yeah. I, as I moved through it, the, the valuable lesson I learned, I always, as a leader, tried to shelter staff shelter staff from the storm, mm-hmm. try to cover them. I'm the tarp covering them from the right. rain, right? Mother hand the wind out. Yes. Yep. Trying to protect them. And I was, I was broken at the time. I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah, but I'm meanwhile, tired. their growth was being stifled and you eventually saw that. That's right. And I, and I talked to them, I talked to them about it and I, I just, I decided, you know what, I'm going to get them together and I'm going to tell them this, this is painful because I don't know what else to do at this moment than to tell the story, but that I'll, I will lead them through it. And I got them all together and they came to my office, the four other people (laughs) and me make five. Yes. All five of us. And I remember saying, guys, I have failed in this moment as a leader, right? Because I, and tears are rolling down my face. And I said, I have failed in the moment, but this is only a moment in our journey. And I assure you, it will get better. And I assure you, I will lead you through it. I need your faith and confidence. 
to be there not only for me, but for each other as we move through it and to keep me informed. If there's anything that we need to do as a team, anything you see, we've only got us right now and and we're less than half staffed. We need to be there for each other. And I absolutely trust you that you will be, but I am not all the eyes and ears. I'm tired. You're tired. I want you to go home at the end of the day with your family. I want you to get rest and I want you to come back refreshed in the morning so we can do the best we can with our eight hours here or 10 hours here or whatever it is. And uh, after that moment, we, we separated. I can't tell you, I think every one of the four came in and gave me a hug, you know, and just said, can I, can I give you a hug? And they said, you, you know, you're amazing. And thank you for leading us through this because I have faith that we will get to the other side. Right. And, and that they just confirmed they were in the journey. And it was that moment where I usually don't, I was always a believer and people always told me, don't let your team see you cry. Don't let your boss see you cry. But at that moment it was genuine and that's Mm -hmm. all I know how to be. And I remember you kept saying, lean into yourself, Lisa. If you think that's what you need to do, just lean into it. Be who you are. Don't try to be somebody different. Don't let people define your story. Just lean into yourself. And I I was like, well, that's what I need to do. I need to tell the team, this is what I'm going through. It's okay what you're going through. Let's do it together. But we're stronger because of it. And we moved people through that challenge. People, including myself, grew leaps and bounds over what we have would have had the opportunity to do without that challenge in front of us. And on the outcome, as painful as it was, we became better. But the critical point to that was that we were in it together. We were not in it for ourselves. We were in it for the team and we were in it for the city and we were in it for making ourselves better for other people so that we could serve them well. And at the end of the day, as we come out of this 18 months, as we're moving through COVID, as we're getting people hired and bringing them on board in the midst of COVID and in the midst of work from home, which was unprecedented, we had not done it. So I'm bringing on new people and immediately sending them home, right? Without connections Mm -hmm. and HR, we're people, people. That's what our business is, is to be connected. We found new ways to do business and we found light at the end of the tunnel and we found mental health and well-being through support of one another. Um, and that's what I would st- say. It's all in how you approach that journey. You can have these moments. You do, I, I think people expect perfection. I call it the social media lifestyle. Like you said, Randy, they promote everything is wonderful on the outside. What Do you ever see Facebook pictures with people just being destitute and crying? occasionally and how rare are those in moments saying I've got to share my personal journey. Those are the most powerful because they're real. Life is not this wonderful, predictable, all smiles. It's just not, but that's what Facebook, uh, Instagram, you know, all of those show these perfect pictures and perfect lives. And it's just not that way. And I, my opinion is keeping it real with your team being genuine it's an, it's a fine balance. I think you can't, you can't be touchy feely all the time or it becomes ineffective. You can't be over appreciative all the time, or it becomes ineffective. It's just doing it at the right time and in the right moments where it's real, it's recognizable and you show appreciation and value. If you do those well, 
you are stronger on the outcome and your team becomes better through it. Well, and as leaders, as leaders, it's just different for us than it is the Instagram influencer. Right. Um, we're, we're, we're leading people and these people know us and you and I are both parents and we're both now grandparents. We're not fooling anybody. We're not fooling the kids in our life. You know, we can think that we are as a leader. You're not fooling your people. Your, your, your people, your people know, they know more than you think they know. Mm-hmm. Because when we weren't leaders, when we were following somebody else, we did. Well, they do too, you know, so, so don't, don't short sell them. So as we wind down here, so what are there, are there some key takeaways that, that you would really want to reemphasize or, or emphasize to the audience? There are a couple things I, I would say <clears throat> as you're going through the the very difficult journey, whatever that is. Um, in our case, it was it was work related. As you're going through that journey, um, life compounds issues. When I thought it was just work, then my mom became very sick with COVID. My dad went into a home same year, and we had to put him in an Alzheimer's home. Don's father died of COVID. I mean, all up so. I thought it was enough just doing with the work, but then we had life on top of it happening. And that's so much like it is. Just remember, it is a story. Surround yourself by people that will be honest and genuine with you, that will help you see it through. Randy was my coach. I had a great partner in life who who was real. He doesn't sugarcoat things and make me believe false things. You know, he doesn't just try to see the joy. He's real. If he sees that there's a problem, he will tell me, I think you've got to eat and you've got to sleep and you're going to go to bed at seven o'clock. I can't go to bed at seven. You're going to bed at seven. I got the dogs. I got the family. I'll go visit your mom, you know, whatever. So surround yourself with people who are real with you and will help you through see through it without telling you what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's number one. Surround yourself with good people. Number two, remember these are bumps in the road. And I would say get a plan. I I think where you brought clarity to me in this fog of life was you helped me, okay, what are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? And don't lose focus on others. That's what, as leaders, we are here to serve others. Super easy, become self-focused and under stress. It's all about me. It's what I need. It's what I want. It's what I think we should do. You still have a team around you and you still have a team you're serving. And I think don't lose sight of serving others. And how can you do that? And once you determine how, then what are you going to do to make that actually happen? That would be my key thoughts and move through those with purpose. And I would, I would only add to reiterate that that pronoun your this is this is your story this is also your chapter and the real reason for that focus is to try to give you some sense of not just responsibility and accountability but some sense of control and i mean that in all the best ways that you're not a victim of fate you're not a victim of the organization you're not a victim of the city where you work you're just not a victim unless you choose to be and you can do that you can choose to be a victim. The problem with the whole victim story is the victim story is comprised of chapter after chapter, after chapter, after chapter 
of being a victim. That's just a bad story. You can write bad stories if you want to, but you don't have to. And for me, that's, that's the big point. If the chapter and clearly we're clearly, we are implying that it's not a great chapter. We want to repeat great chapters. We want to put those back to back to back to back. Would that life work that way? Right. But you've said it yourself that had it not been for that chapter and maybe that chapter wasn't just a chapter. I mean, let's be fair about it. That might've been two or three chapters. That's right. Back to back. But had it not been for those chapters, your story would be very different. The story for your team would be different. The story I grew for your, more uh, as a leader during that time than I have in my 26 years, but I chose to see it that way. Yeah. That and we, point. and, and my recall is, and, and we worked on that because somewhere in the midst of all of this problem and all this disruption and all this chaos, if we can get our heads wrapped around somewhere in here is an opportunity. Now, can you play the game and can you play the game well enough to win at it, to find it? That's right. And then to do something with it. Now, Lisa's situation, you know, she has shared the details, so they're not mine to share. But one of the things that we did is we worked on triage. That's right. I do we just worked that. on, we just worked on triage some years ago. I got a late night phone call, a friend called and I didn't have an earbud. So I've got my, I'm holding my phone with my right elbow, you know, crooked at a 90 degree angle. I'm holding this phone up to my ear for like 30 minutes. I get off the phone. It's nine o'clock by 11 o'clock. I'm on the floor writhing in pain. My shoulder. I've never had a shoulder out of joint, but that's kind of what I surmised it might feel like. I mean, it was excruciating pain. So. Rhonda's trying to get me to the hospital. I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm, I'm pulling on my shoulder. Cause it just, man, it just, I'd never had any pain like it by 6am. She takes me to the hospital. Now, what do you imagine the, the ER does when somebody comes in and they're writhing in pain triage first thing, have we got any life threatening thing going on here? I knew I was not having a heart attack. I knew that what I had wasn't going to kill me. Right. I just had this intense. You just wanted it better. I had this intense <laughs> shoulder pain, but they don't know that. Right. So what are they doing? They're looking at it. What do we have? What have we got going on here that might be life-threatening? And that's what Lisa and I did. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do with everybody, by the way. You know, what's going on here that's that's real, maybe not life and death, physical, but what's life-threatening here? Yeah. What, what's, what's really, really severe that we've absolutely got to eliminate. We got to, let's get that taken care of. And once the hospital, they, they spent, they easily spent two hours doing that. Now, all the while they're trying to make me comfortable. So they're pumping me with pain meds and stuff, but they have no idea what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're checking heart, lungs. They're checking all the stuff. Probably an x-ray. Did you break something? Did you have an accident? Yeah, I mean, no. they, they are absolutely trying to make sure that my life is not at risk. And that's all they focused on. I'm just trying to get them, you know, hey, focus on this right here. This is where it's <laughs> killing me, you know, the shoulder. But I think 
uh, to your point, when we're exhausted, we're in this bad chapter or it's a less than ideal chapter of our life. And we just want it to go away. Uh, you and I've talked before about, you know, being a Buffalo. I mean, you know, you can hide a lot of people do. It doesn't work. It never works. Or you can be a Buffalo, just head on into the storm because the storm's coming your way. You might as well head right into it. Cause you're going to be in the storm a lot shorter period of time. If you do that, right. It takes courage to do that. But I would also add one final component that we really haven't talked about. The, the growth of us writing new chapters is we are writing chapters that are largely unknown. You had been a director for a lot of years and you had not experienced anything quite like this. You have been planning this property purchase and you know, the next chapter of your life. I'm 10 years ahead of you. I'm, I'm, I'm Rhonda and I are writing our chapter. These are, this is uncharted water. That's right. It's uncharted water. Cause guess yeah. what? This is your life. This is your, this is a chapter it's your story and, and it's unwritten it, yeah, nobody's, you know. and nobody's defining it for you. No, that's right. You know? And so that means it's, it's largely unknown. It's largely waters that you have never navigated before. That doesn't mean you can't navigate them, but they're new. They're new waters and they've got new opportunities and they've got new perils. It means you perfectly can do it, but it may mean that you haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. So I would end on this note. You don't have to get it right. We get attracted to read books and watch movies and hear of stories that aren't perfect. The perfect stories are the ones that we read to our little kids. They're called fairy tales, but they're not our lives. We read them because these are little kids and we don't want to put upon them the realities of the world that we know will hit them soon enough. That's right. So we fill our childhood days with, with fairy tales of what could be. And if we can maintain that optimism, we learned that, you know what, we can write some chapters that are pretty fairy tale. I would say you and Don, you're writing a pretty good fairy tale right now. I mean, right. I know what's going on with you. So right. it it's working out. It's working out pretty well. Is everything in their life perfect? No. Ron no and, and, I, and to get to this point, was it perfect? No. You no. know the pain points. We lost two properties before we got this third one. And I'm so glad we lost the first two. But boy, when we lost those first two to bidders, heartbreaking. Well, you had to we kept thinking, well, the goal is over. We lost it. It's done. <laughs> right, you know, right. you think of it's it at the over. moment. I'm like, okay, well, hold on. There's got to, you know, everybody around right. me that knows me kept saying, that just means there's something better coming. Yeah. What a great way to look at it. Right. And I said, you know what? You are right. You're right. There's something better. And we got property at a fraction of what we were going to spend so much better. And we get to build our own home. Yeah. Right. But there are so many people that choose to, that choose to not see it that way. They choose to think, no, I, you know, I can't just, I can't just sit here and believe that it'll be better and, and it will be better. And we're not talking about the secret or the law of attraction or any of that. And if you're into all that, then that's great and wonderful. I'm not Lisa can speak for herself. You know, I, I think that we are in control of our own lives. We can make our own choices. No, we can't dictate what other people do, but we can certainly influence it as best we can. 
but these unknown chapters that we're all writing, you're not going to get it perfect and you don't have to, you're going to have to slay a few dragons along the way. And I would occasionally a few dragons are going to scorch your eyebrows. You know, it's going to happen. I would remind everybody too. I think the greatest lesson, you know, Randy, that you kept stating for me and that people that are willing to listen, um, as you have these people in your lives that are, that are providing guidance, first choose to listen. If they're people you trust and respect, don't take it and discard it every time because they're wiser than, I mean, you're wiser than I am in certain things. And I appreciated and valued that. And I, I remember one of the things you said was run, like you focused on your story, but being it with my story guys means you've got to lean into yourself. Do not try to emulate. If Randy is giving me guidance, I don't try to be Randy. I don't try to make myself look and feel like Randy. I try to make myself a better version of Lisa through what Randy's wisdom. And I think people lose sight of that because they hear somebody saying something and they're like, I need to be more like Randy. No, you need to listen to what Randy's telling you, whoever that Randy is in your life or the Don is in your life. You know, my, my husband take their wisdom and apply it to you so you can become better. And then the next thing was Randy always told me, tell your story. You're not telling your story. And so for me, I said, I don't want to brag. That was the first words out of my mouth, correct? Mm -hmm. I don't want to brag. And you said, who who defined it as bragging? Just tell them your story. Find a way to tell your story. So because I had new leadership and I was like, okay, that is so true. Once I, I always have to process things. And so when he said that, he wasn't really telling me what to do. He was just telling me to tell a story and to figure out how I can do that effectively in my Lisa world. And so I was like, you know what? You're right. I don't ever, because I thought if I was telling Cheryl or telling Steve what I was doing, it appeared to be bragging on myself. And I don't like focusing on myself. Yeah. And for context, let's define that for Lisa, that was pretty much just kind of going down a to do list. Okay. Well this week I did this, 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 and this. Yes. And so the, the that way ain't I a learned, story. that ain't a story. No, I was saying, here's the things I'd done update. I'd send an update email. Right. I did this. I did this. I did this. I did this. We got the intern. We got it posted. We got, you know, and it wasn't that it was, Hey, something great happened with our recruitment team today. Just wanted to pass it along. And it was about how we served others or how we got, got some not really nice comments, comments back from the police, uh, police group this weekend from the test. And it, and I don't do it every day. I mean, this doesn't happen where the management's going off oh, for God's sakes. Here she goes. Yeah. This isn't you know? self-promotion. No, it was just, Hey, got some really nice comments. We've been working on relationships. Police was one of them. Got some really nice feedback today and they would send back. Great. Well, guess what started happening? All of a sudden the questions of, are you working on relationships? Didn't get asked anymore. I learned how to tell the story differently and let right. them know of successes um, and then I started seeing other people sharing stories with city manager's office outside of us. You know, they, they said, Hey, I, I mentioned to Steve, or I mentioned to Cheryl, or I mentioned to Bill really appreciate you guys working so hard for us. We've gotten some great applicants, you know, or whatever it is. And so I think be, be sure you know how to tell your story and that you're doing it well. And it's not focused on you. It's focused on your team and what your team is doing along with, 
those those goals that you have established for yourself, those things that you want to get done. We talked about taking action and being purposeful and strategic. Be sure as you take action, you're celebrating those stories and you're recognizing your staff and you're making sure your staff is recognized to CMO and there's appreciation along the way. All of those things lead us to that next chapter. It's opening, you know, you're flipping the pages and closing one down and finding joy in what's coming next. Well, that's how you build a high performance culture. That's right. It's the sharing of these stories that build that culture. It's a subject for another day, another podcast, but I want to come back to that. So we'll make a note of that. Okay. Because an HR person taught me years ago, I'll just go ahead and tease. I don't know when we'll do this, but we'll do this coming up that employees, our employees, including us, we all just want to know where we fit. What does that mean? Well, I'm, I enjoy words and language and story writing. No question. So I have a bias in favor of it. But I learned as a young leader, thanks to HR people that came into my life and that I sought out. So I need to give these people a story. And I had an HR person said, yes, you do. Because if you don't, they will write their own. And it it won't be as good as the one you will write. So there is a time and a place where the story that we are writing as leaders, we are attempting to write a story for someone else. It doesn't mean that we're doing it in the context that Lisa and I've had this conversation. Part of what I was trying to help Lisa figure out was to try to help her and challenge her to write a better story because there's little doubt I had a really good story in my head. Came into the room, had never met her before, didn't know her, but I knew her by reputation because I knew how her bosses had spoken so highly of her. So, yeah, I was all in. I was all vested in and wanting her to write a better story. And at this point in her life, in this chapter, I felt like she needed somebody who who could see a better story because at the moment, not through stupidity or ignorance, just through exhaustion and being overwhelmed and life, she couldn't, she couldn't see it. So there is a time and a place where you can help your people by writing a story for them. You're not controlling their life and you're not operating their life, but you're able to help them see how they make a difference and where they fit because we are all, we're all struggling to try to figure that out. And those of us that have figured that out, we're way ahead of the game and sad to say, I think there's too few of us. There's too few of us in that category. And part of this podcast, I guess we hope for growing great is to help people do that. I'm going to give you the last word. I'm going to shut up. No, I I think that's a, a perfect segue into our closing comments is that through that, through those challenges in my life, I was introduced to you as an executive coach, introduced to what you could do to help me see through it. I chose to listen and apply your wisdom and look where it's led us to, not for you and me, but the ability to see beyond that. And now we've got this podcast that I hope serves others, right? Through that relationship we've built, through those pain points, 
through a hardship that was the hardest thing I'd probably gone through. I remember, uh, I don't know if many of you are faith-based. I remember sharing the story with you, Randy, that for me, I am faith-based. If you're not, that's fine. But I remember saying, man, Randy, I prayed for a challenge in my life, thinking, you know, we had talked about me wanting to be an ACM. And I, I prayed, you know, I hope there's doors that open that provide me some challenges and some opportunities. And I did not expect that. <laughs> that was not the challenge that I was asking for. Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> That's There's right. your answer. Yeah, but but it led me on this beautiful path that in hindsight, I grew so much because of it. But you have to choose it. That is the point, I think, at the end of the day. Choose it. Listen to those around you. And you never know what opportunities are before you. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.